Well, it was uh, April 11, 2016. I was standing in the back of the General Conference Auditorium about to find my seat for worship. And as I was about to move toward the seat, one of the vice presidents of the General Conference tapped me on the shoulder and said, I'd like to talk to you on the third floor. Well, I didn't know if I was in trouble, but I found out when I got to the third floor that I was to be asked if I would consider serving as president of the Hope Channel. Now, they knew my heart. They knew that I was a passionate volunteer with Hope Sabbath School for the last eight years, with more than a million people now participating in that interactive Bible study. So they knew my heart. And even in ministerial, where we had started a program called Ministry in Motion to train pastors and elders. So they knew I was committed to the mission of Hope Channel and to the mission of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. But what they didn't know is I was very happy in my work in the General Conference Ministerial Association. But when you pray the radical prayer, you give God permission to throw you out into His harvest where He knows you will be most effective. Amen? It's not about us. It's not about how we feel, how talented or strong we are. It's about God, the Lord of the harvest, knowing where we will be most effective. So I, my first reaction was resistance because they said, take your time, we need to know by 3 o'clock this afternoon. My wife and I prayed. I called one of my mentors. Some of you may know Dr. Jack Blanco. I love him as a spiritual mentor and father. I said, Jack, please pray for me. My wife and I were praying, seeking counsel, listening. Lord, what do you want us to do? And I was walking into the Hope Channel studio where I would be filming again, not as an employee, but as part of ministerial all day, and as I was walking in, I saw the media screens from Hope Channel Africa, from Hope Channel India, from Hope Channel International, all around the world. And on one of those screens, Craig, I was teaching Hope Sabbath School. And on another screen, one of my favorite preachers, Dwight Nelson, was talking to someone, and then the camera switched, and it was me. And the Lord in that moment said, Derek, I have been preparing you for the last 10 years, for what I'm asking you to do. You see, when you pray that radical prayer, you give God permission to do what He knows is best. I hope you'll get a copy of that DVD from our booth. We've got a thousand. I don't know if there's a thousand here yet, but there will be this weekend, so make sure you get a copy. Well, that afternoon, I'd been filming most of the day, and Jack Blanco called me. He said, Derek, I was just praying. To be honest, I had no idea what you should do. And as I was praying, the Spirit of God said to me, call Derek and tell him to take the assignment. Well, you say, so did you take it? Well, I'd already felt some conviction, but let me tell you, uh, when a person who walks with God and cares about you calls you like that, it leaves a bit of an impression on you. Then I'm walking through the building, and a vice president came up to me with tears in his eyes. Now, I know this man. 
He walks with God. I respect him deeply. He said to me, Derek, I have been praying for you today. I want to tell you, the committee is not calling you. God is calling you. You see, when you pray the radical prayer, it's not based on how strong you are. Jesus said, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. But God in his wisdom knows that you will be more effective where he throws you than where you go by yourself. Amen? And so after praying through the day, I went to the board meeting for Hope Channel that night, and I knew something was up when I walked in. I said, when does the assignment start? They said, it just started. (laughs) I'm so glad that God put me there because otherwise I would feel overwhelmed. In fact, God led me to a passage of Scripture that I'm going to share with you today. Some lessons that maybe you need to learn too. God said, Derek, because I have ekbaloed you, thrown you out into this position, there are some lessons you need to remember. And those are the lessons I will share with you this morning after we pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Thank you that when we pray the radical prayer, when we give you permission to throw us out into your harvest, that you will put us where we will be most effective in your work. That's our desire, to be faithful, fruitful harvest workers. We believe you've called us to be involved, all of us, total member involvement, to do what you want us to do, where you want us to do it. And so as we come to Scripture today, the passage that you brought to my heart to reflect upon for these past weeks, I pray that some lessons here would bless many lives of those present here today and those who will watch this recording. And we will be quick to give you all of the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. His name was Hacker, Uh, not as in computer hacker, but Hacker as someone who hacks things down. Now, I have no idea why parents would name their little boy Hacker, but God had amazing plans for this young man's life. Later in the story, he's given another name, Jerubbaal which means one who contends with Baal. But we know him by his first name, Gideon, the hacker. As I began to read the story of Gideon again, as the Spirit of God said, Derek, because the Lord of the harvest has thrown you out into his harvest, into this new assignment with Hope Channel, there are some lessons I want you to learn from the story of Gideon. And so I took my Bible, and if you have your Bible with you, we're beginning in Judges chapter 6. I took my Bible, and and as I began an initial reading of Gideon's story, there were two important insights that I learned. Firstly, Gideon was fearful. Gideon was what? Fearful. When the angel came to him 
uh, to announce that he, the Lord was with him, where did the angel find him? <laughs> did the angel find him standing boldly in the field of wheat with a sword strapped to his hip in the face of his Midianite oppressors, threshing the wheat? Answer? He was hiding in an abandoned wine press trying to thresh wheat with nobody seeing him. Gideon, first glimpse, was fearful. When the angel of the Lord told Gideon that he needed to tear down the altar to Baal at his family house and to cut down, that's where the name hacker comes from, to cut down the pole idol to Asherah, the Canaanite goddess, Scripture records in verse 27 of Judges 6, he feared his father's household and the men of the city. So as I begin to read about this uh, man, Hacker, the first thing that impressed me was that he was fearful. I see that fear rise again in chapter 7 of Judges when the Lord said to him in verse 9, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, what did the Lord say to him? If you're afraid, do what? Go down to the camp with Pura, your servant. And you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Notice the next part of the verse. Maybe you missed it before. Then he went down, what does it say? With Purah. If you're fearful, the Lord said, take Purah. And Gideon went down with Purah to the camp. The first thing I learn as I read the story of Gideon is that he was full of fear. I don't know about you. Have you ever had times when, when inner fears or outward anxiety held you back from being all that God wants you to be. The woman of God, the man of God he wants you to be, may be more concerned about what people think than what God thinks. If you've ever felt fear sometime hold you back and you've said, Oh Lord, take away my fear that I can be strong and courageous. Gideon, he understood. He struggled with fear. There's a second insight I learned from an initial reading of the story of Gideon. I say the Lord is trying to teach me a lesson here, maybe a lesson for you too, when he calls you to do something extraordinary for him. Gideon was full of fear, and secondly, his faith was weak. His faith was weak. The angel of the Lord Judges 6, verse 12, said to him, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, verse 13, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us. The Lord has what? Forsaken us, Gideon said, and delivered us 
into the hands of the Midianites. Does this sound like a man full of faith? No. He's full of fear, and his faith is it's weak. The Lord has forsaken us. Well, Gideon turns to the angel of the Lord and says, I need a sign that you're actually who you say you are. The Lord, the angel of the Lord says to him, put an offering on a rock. Now, I want you to notice, maybe you didn't see this before in verse 21. The angel of the Lord, chapter 6 of Judges, verse 21, put out his staff that was in his hand, touched the meat, and the unleavened bread, I don't know what it says in your Bible, mine says, and fire rose out of the rock. That sounds pretty dramatic, doesn't it? I mean, we know Elijah saw fire coming down from heaven. This fire is coming up out of the rock. Your faith is weak, Gideon. Let me show you I'm who I say I am. And fire comes out of the rock and consumes the sacrifice You say, well, that ought to be enough. But Gideon comes back again in chapter 6, verse 36. If you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, that ought to be enough, as you've said, but but if you'd save, I'm going to put this fleece on the floor. And in the morning, do you remember? Do you remember that story? In the morning... I want the floor to be dry and the fleece to be wet. And the Lord does not argue with him and say, well, I've already shown you that I am the one and you will deliver Israel by my hand. Gideon comes back the next morning. That fleece is so wet, it says he could wring a bowl full of water and all around it's dry. Now, I'm amazed that the Lord didn't get upset with him. The Lord got upset with Moses when he kept arguing, didn't he? But Gideon says, well, my faith is weak, but I'm going to ask for another sign. Now I want the floor to be wet and the fleece to be... Are you not amazed at the patience of God? You know, it is remarkable. My wife says, Derek, why do you always tell people that you're not that strong and not that smart? Because God uses weak, fearful people to accomplish his work. If we will do what God asks us to do, all of us, do something. Well, Gideon says, I need another sign. So he comes the next morning. The fleece is dry, and the floor is wet. Now, he didn't have the audacity to ask for another sign, but the Lord actually gave him a sign that he didn't ask for. You see, God, even when our faith is weak, he will give us the evidence that we need to be strong and courageous for him. Amen? He's so good, isn't he? The Lord says, uh, arise, go down into the Midianite camp. Verse 13 of Judges chapter 7. 
when Gideon had come there, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I've had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Did that dream come from the Lord? Yes or no? Absolutely. The dream came from the Lord, but this man doesn't know what it meant. A barley loaf rolling into the camp. What's that? But there's another part to the miracle. Verse 14, Judges 7, Then his companion answered and said, This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. And from that additional supernatural revelation... Gideon goes with courage. I am just so thankful today that God can take fearful, weak faith people and empower them to do a mighty work for Him. Aren't you thankful for that? Total member involvement is not saying, well, just have the strong do the work and we'll sit there and clap for them. God wants to use you to change the world. God wants to use you to do something that no one else can do. And what impresses me about this fearful, weak faith man is in spite of his fear, he does what God asks him to do. Amen? In spite of his weak faith, he'll go not with 32,000 or with 10,000, but with how many? 300 against 120,000. That's outnumbered 400 to 1. And they don't even take weapons, at least. I don't know. You've got a pot and a torch and a trumpet. I suppose you could hit someone with your trumpet. But I think that God is saying, the battle is not yours, it's God's. But He wants to use you to join him in his harvest work. Gideon goes, and the battle is won. And that's all I remember of the story as a child. I guess that's a nice place to end. But there are two insights at the end of the story which I want to draw your attention to. I think they come to me as warnings from the Lord, and perhaps not just for me, but for all of us, in Judges chapter 8. There's some good news and some very bad news at the end of Gideon's story. Having trusted God and obeyed Him and God working a great deliverance through Him and the 300, verse 22 of Judges 8, then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, both you and your son and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. What's wrong with that statement, by the way? Well, I want to, I want to affirm Gideon at least for responding, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you, 
the Lord shall rule over you. Amen? But he should also have said, and by the way, it wasn't me. It wasn't me and the 300. It was the Lord who worked in spite of our frailty because we were willing to trust and obey. I learned that song when I was little. They don't sing it much anymore. Trust and what? That was the key right there. It's just three words. Trust and what? He wasn't that strong, but he decided to what? Trust and what? Yeah, he, he struggled with fears, but he decided to what? Trust and? He should have said, you know, I'm not that strong. It was the Lord's victory, but we decided to what? Trust and? And obey. He said, I'm not going to rule over you, the Lord. He is king over us. But then comes the bad news. Verse 24. Then Gideon said to them, the men of Israel, I would like to make a request of you. Be careful. I, I would like to make a request of you. What's strangely missing from that comment? The Lord has this word for you. This is what the Lord wants us. No, no. I would like to make a request of you. And what is the request? That each of you would give me the earrings from his plunder. For they had gold earrings. Because they, that is their enemies, were Ishmaelites. This is how they carried their, their uh, bank accounts. They'd taken that having killed their enemies, they answered, we will gladly give them. They spread out a garment, and each man threw into it the earrings from his plunder. Now the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold. My Bible says that's about 43 pounds. By today's gold rate, that's a little over a million dollars. You say, oh no, you sound like Achan. You remember Achan in the story of Jericho? You sound like Achan, told to give all of the glory to God, not take the spoil, and you're wanting the gold. I wish that's all it was, though that would be serious enough, but something even worse happens. He takes this gold. Scripture records verse 27 of Judges 8. Then Gideon made it into an ephod. What, my brothers and sisters, is an ephod? Help me, what's an ephod? An ephod was the garment that the priest wore, right? Why did he make a golden garment of a priest? Had the Lord asked him to do that? What was he thinking? I mean, do you remember how easy it was to take a symbol like the snake on the pole? They ended up calling it Nehushtan and worshiping the snake on the pole. You remember that? Why does he make this golden ephod? I have no idea. But the Bible says he set it up in the city of Ophrah, and all Israel played the harlot with it there. They began to worship this golden symbol. It became a snare to Gideon and his house. I said, Lord, why do you want us to reflect on the story of Gideon? What, what lessons do you have for me? What lessons do you have for us this morning? 
And I'm saying, well, this man was certainly full of fears and his faith was weak. But in spite of all of that, he decided to trust God and what? He believed that God wanted to use him to make a difference for the kingdom of heaven. So he decided to trust and obey. Even when he was afraid, even when the obstacles seemed overwhelming. But I want to just bring you to the end of the story. Because when you decide, and what a wonderful thing it is that we're being called to total member involvement, that we all have a work in, in, in doing the harvest work. But I want to tell you, the devil will be there to attack you if you decide to be part of the 300. The devil will try to distract you with temporal concerns, with fame or fortune, I learn as I read the end of Gideon's story that we must determine to be faithful to God in every aspect of our lives. Amen? We're not talking about earning our way to heaven. We're not talking about salvation. That victory has already been won through Jesus Christ our Lord. But we're talking about joining the Lord of the harvest in His work. You think the enemy is going to sit around and admire us? When the Lord throws us out into his harvest, he says, I throw you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Determine that you will honor God in every aspect of your life. Determine that you will trust and obey him even when you're tempted to be afraid. Determine that you will trust and obey him even when you are fearful and you feel that the enemy is too big for you. Determine that you will trust and obey him even if your family, by the way, I know the father says, well, let Baal defend himself, but, but he doesn't defend Gideon very much. Even if your family doesn't come to your aid, trust God and obey him. And if we will do that, I believe that the great victory won back in the book of Judges, where God can use a little band. You see, I think the 300 is a symbol of the Seventh-day Adventist movement. Hopelessly outnumbered. Limited resources. Not that strong. But if we will trust God and obey Him implicitly in every aspect of our lives, He will use us to accomplish His great victory. Do you believe that? I want to appeal to you this morning. If you want to be part of that Gideon's band, I'm talking about those who will trust and obey. If you'll say, Lord, I want to... I want to be involved in your work. And I choose today to, by your grace and the power of your spirit, to honor you in every aspect of my life. I want to invite you as we pray to stand. Is there someone that say, I want to be part of that band? Amen. God bless you. People are standing all over this congregation. Maybe you're watching this recording. You're standing in your living room, wherever you are in your church. God is raising up a people who will trust and obey and be involved in his work. And when Satan throws snares at us, we will not compromise in any area of our lives. 
we will honor him in all things. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, lessons from Gideon. We are amazed that you would look at someone who was so fearful and whose faith was so weak and you would still see in him someone you could use in supernatural ways. And, oh, Lord, we have courage to believe that you see us that way too. That you have a plan for us, not just to be saved, as wonderful as that is, but you have a plan for us to join you in your harvest work. You have a plan for us to participate with you in the miracles that you will perform in these last days of earth's history. We're standing, Lord, not because we feel we're stronger than others or that our faith is, is somehow superior to others. We're standing because we're willing. And I pray, Lord, that you would throw us out into your harvest. You'd put us where you want us to be. And when the miracles happen, when the victories are won, we will be quick to give you all of the praise. And day by day, by your grace, we will honor you in every aspect of our lives. We pray this and we thank you. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.